My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my gosh, you guys, it has been a hot second since I've been back on the mic. I've had so many awesome podcast guests these last couple episodes, and they've been amazing, but I kind of missed getting back on here for some solo stuff. So I'm here today to talk to you guys about triggers. So hopefully we're all familiar with that term, and I'm sure if you float around social media or sometimes I'll even see them on TV, you'll get what we call trigger warnings. So trigger warnings are essentially kind of this warning that states, you know, the following may be difficult for people to watch. It may contain graphic content of this nature, blah, blah, blah. And then that way audience members or viewers can kind of make the decision as to whether or not they want to go ahead and read that information. And The reason I'm coming on here today is because I think a lot of people don't know or don't think twice about triggers. I think a lot of times people don't think twice about trigger warnings, either giving them or reading them or even asking for them if they aren't given in the first place. Um, And I have a lot of thoughts about triggers. I have a lot of thoughts about trigger warnings. And so in this episode today, I'm going to go over triggers, what triggers mean, Um, both literally the definition and then also kind of my interpretation of triggers and what I think they actually mean about you, the person who is becoming triggered. I'm also going to talk about maybe why it's a good idea to not put them up, especially in the OCD and anxiety world, which is, again, kind of my population that I work with primarily and primarily my audience. I'm also going to go over my stance when it comes to triggers, how I believe people should handle them when they are triggered naturally, when these things naturally come up in their environment, my stance on trigger warnings, um, and what you can do if you become triggered. So let's say that you are one of those people, you come across something that is triggering, whether there is a warning about it or not, um, what you can kind of do about that. And so we're just going to go over a lot of different things about that stuff today. So 
First things first, let's talk about kind of my relationship with triggers and my knowledge of triggers. So as some of you know, I work in a residential treatment setting for OCD and anxiety, and people are triggered by everything. And that's not just in the residential OCD and anxiety world. It's everywhere because people are so unique. People are so complex. Triggers could literally be anything. Just as some examples, I have worked with people who are obviously afraid of germs and contamination and use a lot of hand-washing soap and shower a lot. I have also worked with people who find soap and body wash and shampoo disgusting. (laughs) Um, I have worked with people who find you know, certain clothing really, really triggering. I have people who find the exact opposite really triggering. I could have someone who finds the color red triggering. I could have someone who finds the color blue triggering. Someone who finds a sunny day triggering. Sunny, someone who finds a rainy day triggering. Like there's really no end to what could be triggering for someone. Um, So especially with everything online and on social media, we're exposed to so many different outlets. Every, everything could be a trigger. And so even on my own podcast, if you read through the notes, you'll see in the intros here in the, in the little show notes that I even include a, a trigger warning. And that is something that I was torn about coming up with my own podcast because, spoiler alert, in the OCD and anxiety community, trigger warnings are not something that we do or that we really believe in. And I'll get into that later. So it was kind of contradictory for me to put a trigger warning up there in my podcast, knowing that primarily my audience was going to be the OCD and anxiety population. But I decided to include a trigger warning in my podcast because I thought of all the moms. I thought of all the moms and the women and the people who don't have any context for these trigger warnings, who aren't aware of what's going on or the advice that I'm about to give in the podcast. So it was with a heavy heart that I put a trigger warning on there. I didn't feel great about it. um, And I will explain why. But basically a trigger, why, why do people put them up? People put up trigger warnings because we don't want other people to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to be that person to have set somebody off. We don't want to be viewed as insensitive. We don't want to have upset somebody, basically. So we, I mean, I remember even when I I posted my first podcast episode, it was about the OCD um, in postpartum, motherhood and OCD. And I remember I was so excited about it. I worked so hard on it. And someone, totally well-meaning, and they loved the podcast. They had great feedback about it but they shared with me that they were really triggered by some of the examples I used in that podcast episode about, you know, thoughts of throwing the baby down the stairs and thoughts of stabbing the baby or putting the baby in the oven or a microwave. And I even felt bad. Like I'm an OCD and anxiety therapist and I felt bad that I made this person feel bad. (laughs) And like, it's just human nature. We don't really enjoy making other people feel bad. Um, but I didn't put a trigger warning on there because it contributes to avoidance. And these are things that people need to know. So people feel really strongly about using trigger warnings. And when they're not educated necessarily about how it 
implicates itself in the OCD and anxiety world, they may find no issue with it. They don't want to be that person to have upset somebody or to have stepped on somebody's toes or be seen as insensitive. But really, trigger warnings contribute to avoidance. And trigger warnings can be seen as an accommodation. And avoidance and accommodation are both hugely negative when it comes to the manifestation and the exacerbation of OCD and anxiety-driven behaviors and problems. So some examples of really common triggers that trigger warnings that I see is when things like sexual abuse are being referenced. Um, if someone is talking about some, you know, childhood abuse or blood or knives or vomit or anything that's kind of more globally really a touchy subject, right? So again, we're using them because we don't want to make other people comfortable. I see them in social media all the time. Um, and we don't want to be using these trigger warnings because especially in the OCD and anxiety world, it contributes to avoidance and accommodation. So an accommodation is any time that we are basically expecting the world to change on our behalf. So we need to maintain control of our own environment. Um, we can't necessarily dictate what other people do or what other people don't do. And so when it comes to, you know, requesting for a trigger warning or wanting a trigger warning to be there, you're kind of seeking out an accommodation versus, yep, that was anxiety provoking for me. That was not expected. I didn't, you know, really enjoy that experience at all. That makes me really uncomfortable. And it wasn't up to that person to have expected that experience for me and to have protected me from that experience. And we can't expect other people to take care of our emotional experiences for us by doing things like put tr putting trigger warnings up. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, everything can be a trigger. Anything in the world can be a trigger. And we can't just be asking or expecting these accommodations all the time. We can't be asking for these trigger warnings for every single thing that we talk about. So what I think triggers do is I think that they actually reveal something about us, meaning the person who is triggered. So I think triggers reveal something about you and your, your own healing journey. It's not necessarily about the other person. So when you get triggered, it has everything to do with you and kind of where you're at on your own journey. It doesn't have anything to do with the other person, which again is why I don't think it's a good idea or healthy for us to be expecting or asking for these trigger warnings to be put in place on our behalf. It's up to us to do some digging and to figure out what that trigger meant for us and where we're at with that and what's coming up for us at that time. So when it comes to being triggered, I think there are some things that you could do to kind of play detective a little bit and to try to get to the root of maybe what that means a little bit more for you. So when you are feeling triggered, what I would encourage people to do is try to be a detective a little bit about that situation, about what that trigger was and what it's bringing up for you. Ask yourself, where the heck is this coming from? Um, why is this making me so frustrated? Why is this bringing up such negative emotion in me? Why is this making me sweat? Why is this making my heart race? Why is this good or functional for me to be around this? Like why, even though it, it is uncomfortable for me to read this topic or read this article or this social media post that I wasn't prepared for or is unpleasant for me to have read. Why is it good or functional for me to be around that? Also, you know, 
where are you at with addressing this trigger? Is this something that you've never talked to anybody about before? Is this something that you're currently working through, say with a therapist? Is this something that you maybe need to bring up with somebody to do some deeper work so that you can kind of process that and let it flow through you? A good example for me, and we're getting personal here. So um, something that for a really long time, I'd say for two years, maybe just up until not even until recently. um, So for the first two years of my son's life, I was extremely triggered by anybody who had more than one child. So what was most triggering to me was when I had a bunch of mom friends who had kids around the same age as as Eli, and we were all kind of on the same trajectory. And it seemed like all at once, they all got pregnant with their second child around the same time that Eli was one or one and a half. And I was nowhere near that yet. Like I was still recovering. I was still in the midst of a lot of my own postpartum stuff. And so when all of my friends who we were on kind of the same trajectory, when they all started having, you know, getting pregnant with their second and having really positive emotions about that, I felt like I was behind. That triggered me to feel like I was doing parenting wrong because I didn't, I must not have enjoyed it enough to have wanted another one at that point. I felt like I was somehow going to be left behind. I was going to be the one mom that only had one child. It triggered a lot in me about you know, just feeling like I was kind of running out of time. Maybe if if Eli was to have a sibling, like I needed to have it happen now, but I couldn't let it happen now because I was in the middle of a lot of negative crap and it just wasn't the right time for a baby. And so it evoked so many negative emotions for me just about running out of time. And should I have another one? And should I not? I don't want to have another one, but I feel forced. And it was a really, really difficult time to the extent where well, it, it became not just triggering for me to see my friends getting pregnant with a second. It also became triggering for me to see women with multiple children, say, out at the grocery store. It, it evoked feelings in me like, why am I not there yet? Like, why is it so easy for these other moms to have had multiples and I'm not there yet mentally? Like, why is it still so, so difficult for me? What does it mean about me that I can't get to the place where I want another one yet, or that I don't feel ready to have another one yet. It became really, really triggering for me. And so I had a lot of experiences, obviously, with my friends, you know, getting pregnant with their second child. I had a lot of experiences, obviously, at work and and in the grocery store or anywhere that I went, obviously, because I did not stop living my life. I continued to go to the grocery store, continued to go out and live my life. And there are families with multiple children everywhere. And I was triggered by them constantly. Um, So the dysfunctional way of kind of walking through that trigger would have been potentially me telling all of my friends, you know, like, please don't talk about that with me. I'm not ready to hear about that yet. Um, Maybe another thing that would have been dysfunctional for me was to avoid going out where I would be more likely to see kids who are in multiples. Um, It would have been triggering for me if I saw anything on social media, like a pregnancy announcement or a family photo with three or four children in it, like to request that that was taken down or to state to a friend of mine that that was really triggering for me and they should take it down or not post it, that would have been ridiculous. Instead, what I did was 
I played detective with myself, like, whoa, this is bringing up a lot of negative emotions in me. What does this mean about me? Like, where am I at with this on my healing journey? This trigger has nothing to do with other women. This trigger has everything to do with me and the perceived wrongness that I am having with only having one child at this point. Um, And that's a problem that I need to work through. That is not something that other women need to work through or other children need to work through or other families need to work through. And so for me to have avoided those triggers would have been really bad. And further, for me to have requested any type of trigger, you know, deletion or trigger warning related to that content would have been really bad too. Because as we know, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts about anxiety or avoidance, Avoidance just confirms every time that we avoid something that's triggering to us or evokes negative emotion in us, it feels good temporarily, but we temporarily only, it's only temporary in that it, it makes us, it confirms for us that we can't tolerate the outcome, right? So if I were to have avoided social media, or if I were to have avoided going to the grocery store or talking to my friends who are having their second or third babies, Every time I would have avoided that, it would have felt temporarily better, but it would have just confirmed the fact in my head, consciously or not, that I can't handle the emotions or the experience of hearing that difficult information. For all my bloggers, entrepreneurs, social media junkies, and general creative hearts out there, you need to be using Flowdesk as your email marketing platform. With this user-friendly platform, you'll no longer spend hours trying to figure out how to put your emails together, let alone how to manage your subscribers. Their beautiful templates are going to leave a beautiful, lasting impression with your subscribers, and it's super customizable, so you can add your own logo and anything else you need to help connect with your audience. It's also cost-effective and offers a really intuitive and easy-to-navigate user experience. If you want a free trial and then 50% off of your actual subscription, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals or enter Jenna Overbaugh at flowdesk.com. Design emails people actually love to get in their inbox. Plus, they offer unlimited everything, unlimited subscribers and access to all of their awesome features. So go ahead, grow your list. Again, just head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. Again, triggers just highlight to us that something needs addressing. And so that was actually the problem that prompted me to seek out a therapist and actually do some really, really great work with that. And again, that, that issue had nothing to do with other women. It had everything to do with where I was at and what I needed to heal in myself and in my own motherhood experience to move forward. And so we can you know, look at triggers one of two ways. We can look at it as something that's really difficult and awful and we need to remove it and we need to have this warning that's up, like do not enter type of thing. And we can give into those difficult emotions and let them be in the driver's seat. Or we can just kind of allow these things to happen naturally, even though they're unpleasant. And we can kind of sit with that uncomfortableness and we can ask ourselves, be a little bit of a detective ask ourselves, what does that mean about us? What's coming up for me right now? Why is that making me feel that way? And something that I I think is really an interesting take on this is 
when you feel, notice, notice the things that don't trigger you or the things that maybe trigger other people really commonly, but don't ruffle your feathers at all. The things that don't ruffle your feathers at all, it's probably that way because you feel really strongly in your convictions. So if somebody were to, I don't know, if somebody were to come over and swear a lot, swearing is usually is something that maybe triggers a lot of people. Um, especially in the residential world that I work in, right? Like it would be very common for somebody to be triggered by swear words. Somebody swearing around me doesn't bother me very much because I stand firm in my conviction that that's okay. Like it's okay to swear. I, that doesn't bother me at all. I stand in my conviction strongly that if I'm around swearing and if I swear, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm a bad person. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I have faith that I'm where I'm at and I'm cool with that situation. That doesn't trigger me. So when you're strong in your conviction and where you stand on something, you're not as easily triggered. So I was obviously not strong in my conviction when it came to whether or not it was okay for me to have another or whether or not like I should have another. Um, And that was really difficult for me. So therefore, seeing all these things was really triggering for me. So with that said, when it comes to you being triggered, again, asking yourself all those questions, you know, what's coming up for me right now? Where is this coming from? Also asking yourself, I think too, like what is stopping me? What's getting in the way of me being stronger in my convictions? What's getting in the way of me feeling stronger and more validated and more confident in where I'm coming from? Where is that lapse? And how do I maybe work with a therapist to kind of address that? So When it comes to triggers, let's talk about what you can do when you are triggered. Maybe let's say you're scrolling on your social media or something happens in a social conversation and something really, really triggers you and it comes out of nowhere. You weren't expecting it. And it is like, whoa, that was way too much for me. I, that's not good. Um, I would never encourage people to intentionally force or flood themselves, right? So flooding is like seven out of seven anxiety. It's the worst anxiety you could imagine. So if you're triggered by blood, I would not encourage you to go on YouTube and watch like at-home births. (laughs) Like I would not encourage you to do that if you feel like that would be the most anxiety-provoking thing for you. Now, let's say someone randomly in conversation or you see a social media post about something along those lines, let's say that naturally in your everyday life, this trigger comes up for you. I would not encourage anybody to go and seek out a trigger warning or to close out of their browser or to do whatever it is to avoid or ask for an accommodation around that trigger. What I would encourage people to do is to try to sit with that uncomfortableness you know, acknowledge the fact that that was uncomfortable. You know, you're not going to get complacent with the uncomfortableness, but you're going to accept that that was kind of your experience in that moment. And you're going to remember all the things we've talked about as far as triggers go. Asking yourself, what is that bringing up in me? Why is that stirring something up in me? What does that mean potentially about my experience and where I'm at with my own healing journey? What is it that I need to address as far as my convictions go? Like what, where can I work so that I can be a little bit stronger in my convictions so that things like this aren't as triggering for me? So triggers can be difficult for sure. And again, the rationale primarily behind 
why we don't really believe in them as much and why I certainly wouldn't want anybody to advocate for them or overly use a trigger warning is because anything can be a trigger. So if you're scrolling and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe a trigger warning wasn't posted. We're doing the best that we can, but you also can expect for trigger warnings to be in existence on literally everything out there. Anything can be triggering for anybody. So we really need to just bring it back about ourselves because again, we do not want to avoid these things that only contributes to our further uncomfortableness with that topic in the future. And it just totally depletes our confidence in that we can handle that anxiety-provoking situation in the first place. We also cannot expect other people to, to bend their world to fit our needs. We have to be in control of our own environments mentally and internally. We kind of have to take ownership of that and ask ourselves again, where is this coming from? Why is this coming up for me? And what do I need to do in order to heal that? So next time you are triggered, hopefully there's not a trigger warning (laughs) because think of it as kind of a blessing in disguise. I know it will be hard to see that that way in the moment when it feels really icky and really gross and really anxiety provoking, but try to walk yourself through those questions that we talked about in this episode. And I hope Hope, hope, hope that you will have a different experience of that trigger after the fact. So shoot me a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you guys as to whether this was helpful. And in the future, I'm going to second guess whether I should keep the trigger warning on my podcast episodes. (laughs) So in the meanwhile, guys, take care and keep doing all the hard things. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.